Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder clinic in Seattle, Washington. The Appetite is all about issues of food, body, sport, and mental health. I'm Carter Umhow, a therapist at Opal, an artist and a writer. Today, Julie Church, nutrition director and dietitian, is joining me to just pop in briefly to speak a little bit to Halloween candy um, and maybe offer a different perspective around all the sugar that's around this time of year. (laughs) Julie, before we get into any of your more professional Mm -hmm. thoughts around sugar, um, I want to know what's your favorite Halloween candy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to go with Butterfinger. Oh, me too. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh. I feel really kindred with you right yes. now. I love the yeah. crispy, mm-hmm. crumbly. Yes. A little bit of chocolate on the outside. I know. I like to chocolate. actually eat the, the chocolate around the edges and keep the top and the bottom there. Huh. And then there's like a lot of the crispy, even more crispy. I was I was eating a Butterfinger <laughs> with my son yesterday and I noticed he just like bit into it and like it crumbled and fell to the ground. And I was like, oh, he hasn't learned the trick of like <laughs> keeping it in your mouth for a little bit and then kind of getting a little bit of moisture to keep it from falling. Oh, yeah. He's just too young. He'll figure oh, it out. He'll figure how it out. to not lose all those yummy bites. No. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> you got to teach him. <laughs> I also find myself liking the Halloween fun-sized version of a Twizzler. I don't normally like Twizzlers, Mm. but they're like softer and more flavorful to me Mm. when they're tiny. Great. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So a lot of people are going to be probably thinking a ton around how to control either their children or themselves around Halloween candy this week. Yeah. And what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I have so many things to say about it. The first thing that came to my mind is that I was so struck by one of my neighbors recently that was saying that her kids don't know that the Halloween candy is there the day after Halloween. Wait, what do you mean? Yeah. So she, they all go out trick-or-treating and they get all the candy and then it's just gone the next day and they have their whole life. That's how it's been. And the the kids are still like under 10, but I'm like, how? Really? <laughs> so I just think some point in that cycle of life, the kids are going to be like, whatever, what did you do with all of our candy? And they just dump it. They just literally put it in the garbage can. Um, so why is my question, like, why did they do that, right? And I think it comes out of so much fear that their kids, maybe them themselves, I don't know as, as the parent, but that their kids will eat too much candy, have too much sugar intake, I think, feel out of control with food. I don't know. Why else do you think that they would do that? Gosh, I don't know. I feel sad. (laughs) I know. I think that, I mean, particularly these days, processed sugars in particular are villainized. Mm -hmm. And so the idea Mm -hmm. of of walking around the neighborhood and getting candy from just about anybody that went to CVS and bought some and didn't get the like non-processed, naturally dyed stuff, (laughs) I think could be particularly threatening to Mm -hmm. parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's going to be more likely that the families that don't typically buy those kinds of foods uh, are going to be especially threatened by this season because mm -hmm. then they're going to know that a lot of those things are going to be brought into their home and they don't they don't have to usually manage that they don't know how to they haven't had to learn a rhythm of how to manage that in their own home so then I can see that would create a lot of anxiety yeah and and the attitude is then like okay this is just about trick-or-treating you'll get your candy and then it's over I guess so. which you know in some ways that's could be fun yeah too yeah. but yeah um 
I remember as a kid that being so exciting so to have fun. my my pillowcase filled yes. with yeah. candies in one of my dresser drawers mm-hmm. for like a month. Yeah. Totally. So I think just as a dietitian kind of speaking to that, there are so many different ways that I think families and parents uh, do manage it, sometimes throw it out, like I said, and I think other people will ration it out. So like one piece at a snack or one piece um, in their lunches or something like that. And so I just kind of wanted to speak to kind of based on my own experiences as a dietitian, as well as Ellen Satter's work, who's a dietitian and a social worker. Uh, and you can find out more stuff from her and even more writing up about this um, from the Ellen Satter Institute. But I believe very strongly that there is a way to allow for our kids to self-regulate around candy and sugar in this kind of way and allow it to be a part of the season. And I don't think that it is something that has to lead to self-destruction or health consequences negatively. So the big picture approach to this is just that candy is available everywhere. Uh, So kids see it at people's homes, at the doctor's office, right? At the pharmacy. It's very accessible for kids. It's cheap. So the ones that get an allowance or something like that, they can go and get the 25 cent candy or the dollar candy bar or whatever. So I just think it's something that kids are used to being able to have and have for ages, right? Decades and decades, been able to go to the candy shop and get some candy. So at this day and age, there is so much fear around the sugar piece, but I still stand strong in believing that kids can regulate themselves. And some kids are going to eat more quickly and are going to get to a point of learning their own limits. Uh, And then other kids are going to ration it out in their own way. And, you know, I think people listening, you might know your kids' personalities and maybe your own personalities in that way. And uh, I would just encourage to trust that and watch it and have openness to seeing what kind of eater they are, what style of candy eater they are, and not to be um, so driven by fear. I've heard a lot of clients over the years also talk about like just how much candy shows up at Mm. work. Um, so maybe not the people that have kids, they're concerned about their kids eating, but really genuinely concerned about their own. Yeah. Suddenly there's bowls of candy out or there are, you know, people passing out little fun sized things everywhere. And again, yeah, like As how an adult, do I possibly how? regulate how much I'm going to have if it's just sitting there the entire day? Yeah. And one of our, our Opal philosophies is just to have freedom and permission with food. And one of the ways we do that is to allow there to be free access to candy. And so I would say that as an, an adult, if an adult has a reaction to that and like, oh, no, there's so much there, I actually would encourage an exercise in trying to open up your eyes to maybe throughout the year there could be Reese's peanut butter cups available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because guess what? By the time Halloween comes around, if you have Reese's peanut butter cups available all the time, they're not going to be so exciting and novel because you've allowed yourself to have them on, you know, February 28th and July 22nd and whatever, you know, I mean, it's just like, who knows when, right? And it's just not so organized in that way. So I think if there's anxiety that's being brought up, I would say, what if, what if you could have more of an approach that's open? And so I think when I think about the candy in the household, there's different approaches to kind of having the kids' bowls, like each kid have their own bowls and they can access it. One of the Ellen Satter's beliefs and approaches is that um, having kind of free access to food um, isn't something that she prescribes to. So like a snack drawer that they could just go to anytime is not something that Ellen Satter would say. She would say that 
parents can have the structure around eating. And so in a Halloween context, I think within the first couple of days, having sort of that free access to the candy. And then if, you know, to give some structure or discipline to it, if you want as a parent, it is totally okay to say you can eat candy at breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. Um, you don't have to necessarily have it be something that they hide away in their room and eat. You can have some structure if you'd like to have it that way. And I don't think that that limits. The most important message that you're telling your kids is the next time that they get to have it and that you're not controlling the fact that that they're never going to have it again and you've thrown it away, um, but that you rather are saying, here it is. And yes, you get to have some with your snack. Um, and it is, though, from her perspective, you would not control the number of pieces. And that's um, something that I know is also pretty common and is really natural for a parent to want to say, here's your two. Um, but just say that here, among the other food I'm serving you with snack, sure, you can have some candy. And just, again, trying to experiment, taking a step back and observe it and say, I wonder what kind of eater my kids are if I just come in neutrally in these moments. Yeah. And just to repeat kind of some things that have been said on other podcasts, that all goes under the assumption that there will be less power in the mm -hmm. sugar, that maybe the addictive process of sugar that so many people are worried about is also a psychological one. Mm -hmm. So once all of that is neutralized, mm -hmm. maybe they'll have peanut butter and candy and apples and yeah. mac and cheese, whatever, yeah. in balance. Definitely. Another concern that I often hear, and this is sort of treated as fact, is that candy is going to make kids and humans hyper and mm -hmm. have this huge peak of energy and everyone's going to go off the walls. Is that true? <laughs> so it actually isn't true. What? It's something that actually is more anecdotally believed. And then I think self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, people just see it happen and then go, oh, that's why they're hyper. Um, but it is not actually backed by science. And one of the things that maybe it gets taken a little um, to the extreme is that thinking about just blood sugar and how when we eat foods that have carbohydrates in them, if we eat all foods with only carbohydrates, which is hard, like straight sugar, um, <laughs> then what happens is sure, like our blood sugar levels will rise quicker and then dip quicker. And with that, that is a bit of a burst of energy and it won't be a sustained energy. So when we eat things in isolation, uh, they have some of a different impact on sort of how it might feel in our body and the energy we get from it. So when I think about candy, I think that, you know, having people eat just straight up candy, sometimes people will see that burst of energy and then a dip and maybe a, you know, and so I think that's where sometimes it gets misconstrued and that definitely eaten in combination for somebody that might be more sensitive to having that blood sugar rise and fall and that it might impact mood or might impact hyperactivity in terms of you know, excessive uh, energy output um, from a kid or an adult, just to combine it with other foods really mediates that. It is not just eating it that's going to cause it. It is what it's what is in combination with. And I think it is, I want to reiterate, though, that it still is not universally true that eating it, even in isolation, is going to lead to hyperactivity. It is true that it's going to lead to a blood sugar rise and a blood sugar dip, but each body takes that differently. And so I think that is something that's been exaggerated and, and we'll be able to put in some research that backs that up so people can read more about that. I wonder, too, if a lot of the times when people are getting sugar, especially if it's often restricted, either as a child or as an adult, 
those sugary foods are coming at a time of celebration or at a um, point of exception in the week where someone's like, oh, this is like such a fun moment. We're going to have cake or yes. OK, we're out. We're with people. Yeah, you can have some extra candy. Um, and that is a space where children and adults are going to feel excited and like they're able to participate in a sort of celebratory moment. And that, too, can cause hyperness. Yeah, behavior change. Behavior change, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And maybe they're just excited about being able to be with friends and in this moment and celebrating Mm -hmm. or even with the novelty, right? That, that, whoa, I just got something I don't usually get. My dad always talks about um, with with kids and babies in particular. We have, like, a bunch of young nieces in my family, my young nieces, when they start crying at the end of the night or, you know, they get really hyper or aggressive with each other, he always says, too much party. It's just that, you know, too much party time. <laughs> and it's like that sign that suddenly all the excitement and the, like, overstimulation of the three hours of a family event peaks. And this is with sugar or not sugar. I've watched mm-hmm. kids do this so many times. It suddenly peaks and it's getting to be dinner time or it's getting to be time to go and they're just maxed out. Um, but it, it can start looking crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's good to make sure to look at all the factors in the context, right? And yeah. not just put it all on sugar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you Thanks. so much for offering that, Julie. And thank you all for joining us today. Thanks to Jack Straw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for our music, and to Large Media. If you'd like to follow along more, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you're enjoying any content that we've been releasing lately, please feel free to leave a review on your podcast app. Um, This can also be a great place to just press that subscribe button to be up to date on any new releases. Okay, talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.